It's time to talk BYU football. You're tuned in to the Coordinator's Corner, live from JCW's in Provo, giving you the inside scoop on BYU football from the coaches themselves, JCW's, the Burger Boys. To lead things off, let's head live to your host, the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. And welcome back into JCW's in Provo for the Coordinator's Corner. Every week, Mondays from noon to 1, we'll talk with BY, with two of BYU's three coordinators. To do, today it'll be offense and the special teams. Ty Detmer here in the first half hour, and then Ed Lamb in half hour number two. And so it is we welcome back to the show offense coordinator and QB coach, Ty Detmer. Ty, hello. How are you? And happy birthday. Thanks. <laughs> it's I don't a, know if it's a happy birthday or <laughs> just a birthday. It's kind of a big one. It's it's it, it's five zero. <laughs> yeah, and, and I beat you by two months in a few days. And I got to say, two months in, it's it's okay. It just seems so old. Say fifty, you know. So I don't feel fifty, but I don't know what that's supposed to feel like. Fifty's the new thirty, right? That's or exactly like what that. it is. I don't feel my age. <laughs> I, again, when I was a young person, fifty was ancient. <laughs> now that I'm there, I don't feel ancient. I know it's uh, it's kind of a weird deal. So you know, I'm sure kids look at you like you're ancient though right now so I, I remember thinking my dad's 50 man he's getting old and now he's 74 and doing all right so well happy birthday to you <laughs> and a good gift on the weekend with a win after a little while uh just what a what a weight off the shoulders of the guys you the staff fans uh, it was a good day yeah great uh great gift so couldn't ask for anything more and uh it was it was a good day we we executed we made some plays um got turnovers which uh, is always helpful for an offense and uh i thought all around uh, it was a great team win you know beggars can't be choosers but we scored 41 and could have scored a lot more i felt yeah we still left a few plays on the on the table uh so hopefully we'll make those this next week and uh but you know you, you watch it and, and you can see the growth you can see some of the the things coming along and, and we're getting there but uh we still left some plays out there that you'd like to make but you know that that's generally the case you, you rarely if ever will play a perfect game right. but um, we're excited with you know that the output we had the shots we were able to connect on and uh got to keep that momentum going speaking of connecting on shots and it was byu 41 san jose state 20 our final score first play of the game you decide to throw on first down and uh really nice play too uh a good design and tanner um, looks off, I think he looks right, gets the safety moving a little bit, and then finds uh, Jonah deep and left. It was a beautiful play. Yeah, we had press coverage, and we'd kind of seen on film that they like to press early in the game. And uh, so we, we thought we'd get Jonah in that matchup, and if he liked the look, uh, freedom to, to take that shot. And so he kind of got a little bit of a sneak jam right off the off the yep. line and had to kind of regain himself contact. and yep. then uh, use the speed dowel around the corner, and Tanner laid it out there perfectly it was a nice play now the fact that it came on first and ten first play of the game for you on a week where everyone talked about being more aggressive was it all just a coincidence or would you run that play because you because you had the look you wanted from san jose State? well it, you know we have option to the front side as well with you know kind of a quick quick game set up and then uh based on the coverage we get weak side we can work there too so we kind of best of both worlds if if we don't like that look then we can work play side as well uh but we got the look we wanted and, and prepared for, and, and so uh, it was great to see guys execute it. Did your game plan have more shots in it, do you think? or We um, we did. You know, more a little more aggressive on first down uh, was the mentality going in. You know, we that's the, the thought Kalani had was to let's go, you know, lay it out there and, and uh, give the guys opportunities. And so um, we decided, you know, we'd, we'd have some more of that, and then we got them on a couple double moves that are just kind of, 
built in on the fly a little bit uh, as the game, you know, progresses. So, um, you know, it wasn't really any more than normal. It was uh, we, we went ahead and uh, executed and, and called them, and Tanner felt comfortable taking those shots, kind of got the looks we wanted. Season highs in uh, points and yards, rushing, passing, yards per play, all the good numbers you want were there on on Saturday. San Jose State's a generous defense statistically, but you still have to go out and execute. And We saw there was improvement from, say, ECU to San Jose State against two very similar setups, maybe. Yeah, you know, they'd given up a lot of rushing yards, and, uh, you know, we were able to, to kind of hit them through the air where they were geared to stop the run based off of, I'm sure, what they're, they'd seen the last few weeks. And so uh, it's always nice to execute and to see guys go up and make a play on a ball and in coverage and and uh, have to do that you know that's not something we've done a lot of this year and, and haven't been great at it and so uh it's really good to see them progress and now hopefully that builds confidence and confidence in the quarterback to throw it and confidence in the receivers that they can go up and make a play so you know all those things are good and, and needed and uh will help us down the road something byu hadn't been doing a lot of was putting together long sustained touchdown drives before saturday you had one drive of 75-plus yards for a touchdown, three of them against San Jose State, 75, 85, 95-yard drives. And more than just the number or the trivial part of it, that's that's consistency and continuity and keeping your guys on the field, which is the hallmark of a good football team. Well, it doesn't hurt to have a two-play 75-yard drive with a 75-yard run. That kind of helps the average. But yeah. uh, we did. That, that's been a focus is finishing drives and, and not just getting to the 50 or digging it out of your own end and flipping the field position, but to actually – take that next step and finish and you know there's still a couple third downs out there where we had a drop and and uh, left it on the field you know but um i thought overall we we managed it and we took some shots and had some chunk plays in there that that always help you to kind of you know not just have to always be in third and one third and two but to to get those drives started and and to be able to finish them in the end zone. KJ's 75-yarder was a highlight. When you go back and look at that play, what do you like about it? Well, I like the fact uh, it was perfectly blocked. Um, you know, we, we kind of let a guy slip through a little bit, but not enough to affect the play. And, and so you, you watch for the execution with the tight end on setting the edge, uh, which Bushman did. And then, uh, you know, Tijon and I believe uh, Kia Norman pulling around the edge, um, you know, were able to seal backers. And it's kind of like that old uh, Vince Lombardi, you know, drive where we want a seal here and a seal here and we want to hit it right up the crease. And Which is what you did. kind of what we did. <laughs> um, so, and then, you know, the receivers blocking downfield. You see Bo Tanner really get on his horse and try to get down there in front of it and just make sure nobody gets involved in it. But uh, I thought our receivers did a great job of blocking down the field, which uh, goes unnoticed a lot of times. Then KJ had to run it, and he did. He did. It, it, you know, it kind of surprised me when he really kicked it in that he had that kind of speed because I thought the safety had the angle on him, and, and he outran the angle. And, uh, you know, you, you always love a back that can finish uh, those long runs and not just, you know, have a 20 or 30-yard run, but actually – Go ahead and take it the distance. Longest run from scrimmage for BYU in 11 years, as it turned out. Is that right? Mike Haig had, I think it was an 86 back in 2006 for a touchdown uh, late in a game. That was a big one for KJ, 75. And it was part of a big half. He goes for 156 in the first half, 112 rushing. Let's not forget 44 receiving. He was being used out of the backfield well as a receiving option. Yeah, he's a great all-around type of back. You know, he does well in blitz pickup. He's, he's a smart kid, so he understands it. And then he finds those little kind of openings in a defense on his checkdowns, and uh, those were really important for us. Uh, I think one even came on a fourth down play and uh, able to check it down, get the first down before 
the end of the half. But yeah. uh, that's something, you know, you want out of your backs to be involved in the pass game, either protection or checking down and getting out and, and being a viable receiver. So um, he had a great half, and it was too bad he didn't get to finish it off the second half. That's the thing. He only played the one half, and the hope is that uh, his injury won't be too long-term and you get him back to see him some more, right? Yeah, it's it's kind of, you know, depends on the inflammation and how, how quickly he uh, feels feels good on it so um, we're hoping it's this week but we'll kind of manage it and and play it by ear by the end of the week okay since you brought up fourth downs before the break quickly before saturday byu was one for 13 on fourth downs three for three against san jose state you found something or things you liked that worked yeah that was big and and i think our guys really buckled down and focused on those plays that we needed one was a quarterback sneak and and a couple passes uh, one hit for a touchdown so you know, we'd like to convert more third downs. We were still only, I think, 33% on third down. Yeah. But, uh, you know, some of those are, are we know we're in four-down territory, so maybe on play. third and ten you run it and, and hope to get six or eight and know that you're going to go for it on fourth down. And so a couple of those probably fall on me as a coordinator, um, you know, knowing that we're going to go for it on fourth down. I think you get that those are the three, though, right? It was KJ for one, it was Tanner on the sneak, and then the touchdown to Micah Simon, I think, was the other one. We'll come back after the break. We'll talk about Micah Simon's big day and how he's come along for this BYU offense. I'm with Ty Detmer on the coordinator's corner here at JCW's. Questions for Ty? Tweet them in. Hashtag CCBYU. The hashtag is CCBYU. Ty Detmer this half hour. Ed Lamb next half hour. This is the coordinator's corner at JCW's in Provo on BYU Radio, ESPN 960, and BYU Football Facebook Live. You're tuned into the Coordinator's Corner, live on the new skin BYU Sports Network. Let's head back to JCW's in Provo and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. All right, so welcome back inside JCW's here in Provo for the Coordinator's Corner. Ed Lamb coming up in the second half hour, BYU's special teams coordinator. This half hour, it's offense with BYU's OC and QB coach Ty Detmer. BYU coming off its second win of the season, 41-20 over San Jose State this past Saturday at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. In that game... It's a multiple touchdown day for Micah Simon, first guy I think with multiple scores in a game this season for BYU. He now has three touchdown catches in the last two games. Is really coming along coming along nicely for you. Yeah, he's uh, he's continuing to progress and grow and and moving him around different positions on the field kind of helps uh, him to you know find those creases and and I think Tanner's really got a lot of confidence in him. You know, he, he had one early where it was off his hands yeah, and intercepted for a pick. And, yeah, and uh, you know you got to just tell yourself, hey, go back to it and, and trust him and, and he's a good player and so we did and, and he ended up making a lot of plays for us as the game went on. He got his hands on another ball right at the end of half. In fact the last play of the first half. Awkward positioning tough catch to make but you thought he could haul it in perhaps. Didn't happen that way. That last sequence was pretty crazy at the end of the first half wasn't it? It was. We uh, we got to manage that a little better. You know we had a short completion to Matt with, with kind of a covered Matt Bushman and, and no yards and the clock still running it's probably better to, to run the play on out and, and throw it away and, and now you save some time and then uh tanner scrambled and and just missed the first down by a yard and now the clock's running and we're having to get on the ball it's one of those or do we have time to spike it and kick a field goal or do we need to just try to get a playoff yeah. and uh, i felt like we needed to just try to line up and get a playoff and snap it with one or two seconds maybe is all and Tanner did a good job of just kind of buying time. You could tell watching the film, the guys were out of gas at that point. You know, they'd been going hard and and fast. And, uh, you know, I think if Mike is fresh, he makes that play. But like you said, he kind of got his body a little, you know, uh, torqued around and and just – 
couldn't quite finish the catch, and that would have been a, a big play for us going into half knowing we get it coming out again. So we got to manage that situation a little better with no timeouts and know when we got to throw it and when we can take off and run and, and uh, get the clock stopped. And otherwise, really good day for Micah and for Tanner, for that matter. More on Tanner's numbers in a bit. Uh, Matt Bushman scores again, second straight week for him. Uh, such a reliable target as a young player, a long career ahead of him, and he's proven to be uh, one of the best uh, early tight ends or young tight ends you've had. He's uh, leading your team in targets and catches. Yeah, he's doing a great job, and it's it's week to week, just getting you know more and more comfortable. And and again, you know the the thing with him is just getting more physical, and that'll come as he gets older and and uh, more in the weight room, you know, in the off seasons, and, and more comfortable just using his size. You know, sometimes a guy has something they don't really know they have, and uh, he played high school receiver, and so he's still learning that. Um, he's a six-five, two hundred and thirty pounds, and he can go bang into safeties and backers and use that to his advantage and and not get called on it. So uh, we're still learning that, but he's he's had a great couple weeks, a really a great season for uh, coming in this first year, and and uh, a lot of confidence in him. He's uh, top five nationally in the tight end receptions right now. Tanner Mangum last two weeks. 602 passing yards, five touchdowns, the two picks, uh, passer ratings of 140 and 146. You'd love to be around 150, but we're getting close, and Tanner's getting better as he feels better, I think, the ankle especially. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, we're, we're kind of figuring him out a little bit as coaches, and, uh, and, and he's starting to get a better understanding, a better feel for the offense, and more comfortable knowing he doesn't have to make every play and, and uh, throw it down the field. You know, we got K.J. had... A lot of receiving yards just in check down mode. So I think uh, he's getting a better feel out there. The more he's playing, the, the better he's getting. So we got to keep that trend going. And, and uh, you know, just the receivers are making plays around him now as well on balls, and they're getting more confidence. So, uh, you know, the, the whole package is, is starting to feel like it's coming together, but there's still a lot of work to be done. And, and like I said, we left some plays out there that he'd love to see us make. And, couple reads on the run when to pull when not to pull when to throw yeah. the bubble uh, we had a couple mistakes there that uh we just got to clean up and be be perfect on those types of reads so. beyond the players around him improving feeling more comfortable like you said and beyond maybe some schedule components as well what's the biggest difference between uh, early season tanner and and maybe mid to late season tanner we're seeing right now well i think you know like you said kind of coming off the ankle injury he's he's starting to feel more confident he pulled it down and ran for a couple first downs this week and and uh moving around you know buying some time when it's a three-man rush and they're dropping a lot of guys into coverage uh he made a few plays there as well so i think that part of of it's coming that's something he's always been able to do and uh now it's you know being able to put it put it all together you know the reads and then when it's not there then be able to take off and and uh either buy time and find somebody open or pull it down and run it yourself so i think you know it's a comfort level it's it's trust in the protection trust in the scheme and understanding the scheme and and what's expected there are 130 fbs teams only 34 have more Pass completions of 40-plus yards than BYU. BYU's got seven. You were 8.7 yards per attempt this past weekend, and BYU's won 33 straight times at eight yards per attempt or better. Now, you don't game plan for eight yards per attempt. That's not something you game plan for as a number, but it is a byproduct of um, taking a few shots and having a good downfield uh, uh, assemblage of personnel. That's all coming together, and you, it's tough, tough, tough to beat when you have those kind of numbers. It is. Uh, you know, th- those chunk plays – 
make a big difference in a game because that kind of either flips the field or it's a touchdown type of play. And so uh, we need those. We, you know, we, we've been saying all along, you know, from the start of the season, we needed more chunk plays. And and uh, I think we're, we're getting to that point where we're feeling more confident to, to go ahead and call it and, and then, you know, to, for Tanner to hang in there and give it a chance. And, uh, you know, like I said, a couple of double moves we had were just we were able to throw it underneath early and, and then they start biting. Now I think we're in a position where we can feel confident that, okay, you know, let's let's pump this one, and if it's not there, check it down. Right. And uh, they were there this week, and, and so we were able to hit a few of those and, and make plays, but those were big in a game. Pumps and goes are working, and uh, you feel you've got the quarterback to throw it down there, and you've got guys who can make plays downfield. Yeah, Tanner was very accurate on the deep balls this week. Uh, I think we connected on, on all of them that we took our shots. Uh, there was a back shoulder to Bo Tanner. I think we tried to kind of pull him up with the ball, and, and uh, he was thinking, you know, try to keep going down the field so more of a miscommunication yeah. but when we threw it uh we were really accurate and then the guys were able to make a play with a guy kind of closing on them at times okay next segment is your segment folks the hashtag ccbyu for ty detmer we're taking your questions on twitter here on the coordinator's corner final segment next with ty hashtag ccbyu for your questions ed lamb is coming up at the bottom of the hour until one o'clock we're live at jcw's in provo for the coordinator's corner on espn 960 byu radio and on Video, BYU Football, Facebook Live. Live from JCW's in Provo, this is the Coordinator's Corner on the new skin BYU Sports Network. Now let's rejoin the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. All right, so welcome back to JCW's here in Provo for the Coordinator's Corner. It's uh, Ty Detmer's 50th birthday today. We didn't forget him. We uh, we took care of him. You know, cakes are so passe, right? We got him a cookie, a birthday cookie for this one. Now, Ty, this is going to go back to the office, right? It probably won't last long back there. A bunch of scavengers hanging around. So, <laughs> Scavenger coaches. Scavenger Our cookie coaches. handler is going to take care of it yeah. for us. Here we All go. Right. There we Thank go. you. Thank Appreciate you, it. Yeah. Uh, to uh, Twitter we go, hashtag CCBYU uh, for Coach Detmer here. This from uh, Lauren Porter using the hashtag CCBYU on Twitter. In uh, BYU's offensive scheme, how important is a play action? It's important, and that's one of the things kind of being in the gun that uh, I feel like it's kind of hindered us a little bit is, you know, with with the gun, you're closer to the running back, so you don't sell the fake quite as much. So um, that's something we've had to kind of tweak and, and figure out how to maximize that part of it. So, um, but, you know, I've always, if we're able to run like we have been and we'll always you know try to incorporate some of the play action stuff in there and, and you know it, it helps keep the backers just holding a little bit longer and keep safeties off of you a little bit too okay a uh, question coming up from randall nelson here and this might lead us into a discussion about the rest of your backfield but he says austin Cafensis looked very good in his few carries this weekend any plans on moving him to running back full-time so on Austin, then maybe more about who's there with if you don't have, say, K.J. Hall this weekend. Yeah, Austin's been a guy that's kind of been in the mix, and, and we've gotten a, a carry here or there and then have experimented with the Wildcat stuff with him because that's what he played in high school. And, and uh, so he's, uh, you know, he'll be a bigger part if K.J.'s out this week uh, in that running back rotation and I and, uh, hope to see some good things for him. You know, it, it's not easy to take a quarterback and all of a sudden – put them in a different position just because they're athletic it's a different style of running for running backs with the shoulders down and a little lower whereas a quarterback you're used to kind of pulling it and being in space a little more so he's done a great job of just being patient and working at it and, and uh being willing to do both you know the, the quarterback wildcat stuff and 
the running back package. So, um, you know, he's a guy that we expect to see a little bit more of as we go and, and as he gets more and more comfortable in that. Okay, uh, Twitter question from uh, Nelson. How much input uh, do you or Coach Lamb will ask, Ed, take from uh, BYU's sports t- statistics people? Uh, it's, it's interesting to see the statistics. You know, every game's different, and there's always factors that, that kind of trump statistics at times. Um, so, you know, you look at last week at East Carolina, our, our numbers were almost identical with, uh, with them, but it was late in the game, and so, you know, do you really count the numbers or not count the numbers? So it's, it's nice to know what your third down conversions are. There, there's a handful that I think really correlate to the, the, win or loss record in a game but um for the most part you know i've never been a statistic guy we need to rush for this many yards or throw for these many yards it's it's really based off what the defense has given you um for example san jose state was big dropping and and playing coverage on second and long so we ran the ball more on second and long that's where kj's run came in and and uh as a play caller those are the things that matter to your kind now, of tendencies that you get from a defense in the field of the game flow of the game and of course your scout the scouting you do in the course of the week right uh sean on twitter uh we hit it on the last segment but more about that last play of the first half was that a call or was it improvisation on that point uh the last play for for micah was we called just basically everybody get in the end zone you know kind of go routes four verticals um and then it turned into improvisation improvisation as tanner moved around and and had to buy time and just kind of wait for somebody hopefully to, to break open and then i think he felt you know pressure and knew he had to get it off and, and try to put it up where one of our guys could make a play on it Okay, thanks for the questions, folks. Uh, CC, hashtag CCBYU on Twitter. Uh, Fresno State now, uh, this weekend, they've allowed two touchdowns over the last 14 or 13 quarters of play, and they hang their hat on deep. They do. They're a tough physical front. Their, their front seven really uh, are active. They slant, they twist, they blitz. Um, so they're, they're a really good football team. Uh, I think they're first place in the Mountain West right now and and uh, have played some really good teams, played Alabama. Um, you know, so they've, Washington. They've lost to yeah. some good teams um, and then stubbed their toe last week against UNLV, who we played later. So, that, you know, it was good to get to see both those teams play each other. But you watch that game live, uh, by the way, when it was. I did. I, yeah. I got home and was able to catch a lot of that and, and uh, kind of get a jump start Saturday night on Fresno. But um, they're they're a really good football team. They're well coached. They play physical and. Uh, you know they're uh, they're just one of those teams that you're going to have to go in and play really hard and and it's going to be a dogfight. Okay, last two games, uh, BYU's gained a uh, thousand nineteen yards in total offense, a thousand two over the preceding four games. Again, schedule is a component of that, but how much of that is real? Again, you say some numbers don't mean things. How much of that is real progress that says we're going to be able to finish strong here with this group? Well, I think you know we're seeing you know progress and and not just in the yards, but more in our execution and what. We're film as coaches so that that to me means more than just yards you know and and, and the point total has gone up so. four straight weeks and it has um you know and, and those are good things you know and, and some of that correlates with turnovers from the defense and all those things so um it's it's a good combination that we had this last week with getting turnovers from special teams or the defensive side and and uh we got to take advantage of those and so um like i said it's it's seeing the progress of the players and the execution that you see on film and and guys making adjustments that maybe weren't being made and and also we played some pretty good football teams early in the year and and had some quarterback injuries with guys in and out and and all those kind of you know 
play into where we're at right now, but um, we're excited with where we're at and where we're going, and, and hopefully we can continue that this week against a really good defense. Whether offense or the entire group, how much confidence can be gained from a game like Saturday where you finally see it come together, score a bunch of points, get the W? I think a lot. I think for us as coaches, feeling comfortable to go ahead and, and call it the way we call it and uh, take our shots and, and know that you know we can trust our players to make good decisions. That That's the big thing, you know, is you got to have trust in your players that – you can kind of turn them loose, uh, and they'll make good decisions. Um, you know, it's a lot of our interceptions earlier in the year came on first down, and, and that's a big no-no, you know, because you got two more downs to try to get it or check it down, and maybe that guy gets it. So um, we're, we're starting to learn that and, and get more comfortable that we can do that, so that means we can be a little more aggressive on first down. Well, best of luck this weekend at uh, Fresno State. We try to get that second straight win. Thanks. Appreciate it. Thanks and for the cookie as well. Yeah. Yeah. Happy birthday. Happy 50th. Welcome to the 50 Club. <laughs> yep. Again, we don't we don't feel like it. I know we don't look like it either. All right. Uh, for Ty Detmer, I'm Greg Grubel. We've got Ed Lamb coming up next. Thank you, Ty. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Coordinator's Corner continues with Ed Lamb here at uh, JCW's ESPN 960, BYU Radio, and BYU Football Facebook Live. Let's head back to JCW's in Provo and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. All right, second half hour of our weekly one-hour show here at JCW's, Mondays 12 to 1. We had Ty Detmer last half hour talking offense, moving over to special teams with BYU special teams coordinator, safeties coach, and assistant head coach, Ed Lamb. Ed, good to see you again. Thanks, Greg. And great to get the result you guys have been waiting for so long for on the Saturday. Congrats. Yeah, that's right. Thanks. There, there are different levels of celebration, I think, in a locker room. But uh, I don't care if you're 1-7. and seven, Getting to 2-7 and seven means something, and I hope you guys had some fun with that. Oh, yep, yeah, absolutely. Every game is worth playing for the, the chance to win that week, be successful, and see the see the players happy. We uh, we take you know tremendous satisfaction in helping the guys be successful, and that that means a win. It means a win, really. There's, I think, there are small victories to be had sometimes on a, on a loss, and it's important that we recognize those and and uh, point out players that are making progress in their abilities and in their contributions to the team. But there's just nothing like that feeling after a win. Where every player in the locker room, uh, for the for, you know, for the most part, feels really good about their contribution, feels really good about their teammates and coaches, and and good about uh, preparing the next week. Hopefully, more wins to come down the stretch. And how much of what we've seen and saw Saturday leads you to believe that uh, a corner of sorts had been turned to where, yeah, this is now our group. We can go do some good things with here down the stretch. Um, I, I think I really shy away from from that kind of language and and thinking in those ways. I think uh, you know each week. It's a matchup between us and the opponent, and it's how well we prepare and how well we play on that given given week. And uh, I, I hope that there is, you know, I, th- I think uh, re- if I read into your question, I think you know, there's there's hope that um, that college football and young people operate a lot on momentum and confidence. And I hope that that momentum and confidence will carry over. But uh, but we have another new opponent, and Fresno State is not San Jose State. And uh, by all appearances, they appear to be a better team for whatever that's worth. But in the end, it's it's how good we are on Saturday against how good our opponent is on that Saturday. And we need to prepare for them 100% and not worry about last week. More about the Bulldogs in a bit. Uh, as for last week, the buzzword was aggressive. And however that was um, reflected in the course of the game, I do know 
that Braden Elbakri plays aggressively all the time. He does. And yet he made a play early in that game that helped really keep momentum with you and kind of alter the early tone of the game on a, on a hit that took me right out of my play call because I was on my way to calling something, and all of a sudden I was calling something different because he levels a guy with a clean, hard hit, and he picks up the fumble after it to put you guys on a short field. What a great play. Yeah, it was. And, he, and he's got a personal highlight film of kickoff coverage this season alone. Um, not just, I mean, the, there's ones that stand out in my mind. I think he had a couple against Portland State that were almost similar to the hit that uh, he, he laid this week. But um, g- going back on that play a little bit, uh, Kamel Green, and he executed a twist. And, uh, you know, a twist and the design and the, the play call and all that, that's just a start. It's all about the finish. It's all about making that tackle. But Kamel drew three blocks mm. purposely to himself and uh, picked off the, the, the blocker. So Braden was completely free, untouched all the way down the field. And the runner never saw him coming. Yeah, free, untouched, and then unseen. Yes. He comes from a blind side. Yes. And, and, again, credit to Braden because you can tell he's, see, he's seeing what he's hitting. Uh, and he gets them high on the shoulder here to where initially they go, it's so violent, it's got to be a target. And look at it again, and they go, he hit, he hit him right. Yeah, he just didn't cringe. And that's that's the key to being a great tackler and a great great blocker and a great football player is, you know, certain certain players will uh, at, at many times want to kind of cringe in and fit into the contact. And everybody wants to do a good job and make big plays and, and big tackles and big blocks. But um, he didn't flinch. Eyes open all the way through and put his face exactly where it needed to be, right on the shoulder, right on the you know, the leverage side, upper numeral, that's where he put his face, and that was a good, clean, solid hit. I'm glad that San Jose State's player appeared to be okay. Yeah, so if there was ever textbook co- execution of, of from a coverage unit, that was pretty close to it there, wasn't it? Training video right there. Yeah. Absolutely. And again, you don't want to uh, make light of the of the hardness of the hit because the player was dinged, but he did get up, did walk off. Yes. That's just a hard football hit that took about took a, uh, took a guy off the field, but it wasn't dirty, wasn't illegal, it wasn't targeting. That's right. Yeah, we, we want to hit hard um, for the for the results that happened. Uh, we got uh, momentum, we got the ball, and uh, th- that's why the, that's why the game of football is is played in a violent way. And uh, everything that the officials and the game has done to take um, uh, the hitting out of the game, I certainly appreciate. But that was a tackle that he put on, not a hit. And there's a big difference between the two, and I think the officials with with the uh, advantage of replay were able to make the right call. And I think I could even recall arms being involved, too. It wasn't like he was just trying to spear a guy. He was trying to wrap and and make make a tackle. Yeah, he wrapped up. The player went down so clean and so quickly that he he wasn't able to get his arms around it. But but he didn't come, you know, the, the thing the officials really look for, what they're trained to look for is, does the does the defensive player come in with his uh, arms inside, hands inside, and look to deliver a forearm type shiver and a shoulder and a head, or are they coming in chest open, to uh, in, inviting the contact to make a tackle? Exactly, and uh, he clearly was was uh, attempting to make a tackle. Beyond the impact of that hit, there was an impact in the game. You're already up seven nothing, short field fourteen nothing, and you're off and running. Yep, fourteen nothing, and uh, I think the, you know to get the. The crowd into it, and to get the offense an opportunity to quickly put points on the board. I mean, 14 points in the first quarter—that's you know that that for us has been a, a, a good game output up to that point. And so I think it just really helped get the ball rolling. You know, Braden finishing with uh, two tackles on the special teams, a forced fumble, and a fumble recovery could have been a candidate for defensive player of the game with yeah. that type of point production. The uh, early lead helps BYU keep a halftime lead, and BYU's yet to lose a game in the Satake era when you lead just going into the break, and uh, BYU's one going back to Broncos years now 13 straight games when just leading at halftime that means something oh that does yeah yeah I mean 
what it means for us is we need to work on the times when we're not leading at halftime, I guess, and get a winning streak um, going with that. Uh, that would be halftime adjustments and being able to motivate the team to come out and turn things around. And BYU, I think, is 48-1 uh, and one in the last 10-plus years when a 14-plus point lead is had at halftime. And BYU was up, I think, 18 at the break this past week. All good numbers, and they start with that. It's a really strong start for BYU. Rhett Allman, let's talk about him a little bit. 54 consecutive PATs uh, for Rhett. BYU record 70. Maybe he gets close to it by the end of the year. Hopefully we score, we score enough touchdowns where it's a question. Uh, he missed his first career PAT for you. Mm-hmm. And you, I think at that time, brought someone else in with Jake and did the next PAT. Is that what happened at That's Arizona right. last year? Yes. So yeah. then Rhett got back in it. He's not missed for you since. That's right. Yeah, he's done a great job. And, and he's, he's really, I, I know he takes some heat because he's missed some makeable field goals. And uh, he takes some heat from me for that. And he, and he puts a lot of heat on himself. But, uh, you know, o- overall... His numbers have really been um, solid for what we ask him to do and the field goals we ask him to make. He's been a he's been a solid kicker. We always want to get better. I want to help make him better. I want to train him. He wants to be better. But uh, after he missed a field goal in this last game, he came back and made the next one. And I went to him after he missed and I said, "Look, here's the deal. I can leave you in, but if you miss, you're done. You're you are no longer the starter. Uh, if you if you make the next one." then that's clutch, that's under pressure, and I'm putting this pressure on you right now. And he delivered on the next one. He missed 33 between the hashes and then made, as you said. So he's got the accuracy, PATs, and this field goal percentage number is very good, top two or three all-time at BYU, but they're shorter looks generally. Yes. You having your druthers, do you want a kicker that can give you the chance to score from 40 out? Absolutely. <laughs> or longer. Or <laughs> Why not 50? <laughs> well, yeah, it's been 11 years since BYU's had a 50-yard field goal, yeah. but it's been 20 games yeah. since BYU's made a 40-yard field yes. goal or longer. Yeah, it, it, absolutely. Yep, We'd love to love to continue to train him. He, his range is much better than it uh, was a year ago in terms of the pop, the height, the trajectory that he gets on the kick. Um, but there's, you know, also the the margin for error on the direction changes on a longer field goal, as you as you know. I think people can can picture that, and so that's really I think where he has missed. You know, the one on Saturday was well over the top of the uprights. I think even on the miss, it wasn't a a, a missed kick in terms of the contact. It was misaimed. And those are the things that I need to continue to work with him on, and, and we both want to improve and are both working to improve. All right, Ed Lamb with us. Uh, Twitter questions for Ed later in this half hour with the hashtag CCBYU. We're back with more with BYU's special teams coordinator, assistant head coach, and safeties coach Ed Lamb. This is the coordinator's corner at JCW's in Provo. BYU's a winner this past weekend, 41-20 over San Jose State at Fresno State this Saturday. Back with more after this. Live from JCW's in Provo, this is the Coordinator's Corner on the new skin BYU Sports Network. Now let's rejoin the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Welcome back inside JCW's in Provo for the Coordinator's Corner this half hour. Coach Ed Lamb talking special teams and safeties with us. BYU at Fresno State this Saturday. More on the Bulldogs in just a minute. If you have a question for Ed, send it in via Twitter with the hashtag CCBYU. Only three punts on last Saturday, and you'll take those kind of days all the time. Absolutely. Yeah, we, uh, Johnny, um, been, the whole punt team really has been spot on their game for several games now. Uh, very, I think there was one return yard in the game. I'm not sure how the officials, how the officials, uh, stat keeper, I don't really check the stats all, uh, on that much unless there was a significant problem I was looking for. But uh, he's done a great job. Our net punts have been very solid. The protection guys have done their job. The coverage guys have done their job. 
And so love getting those guys out there when it's needed and doing their job well, but uh, nice to see the offense continue to move it down into scoring territory. Net punt is ranked 19th right now nationally. My pet stat, pat, uh, punt efficiency, is also ranked very highly. Uh, again, the return game is yet to really bust out for you. We seem to talk about it every week you're on just to see how it's progressing and who you're using. We've seen different people back there in an attempt to jumpstart things a little bit, maybe. Sure. Yeah, I'll, I'll put myself on the hot seat there. I, our return game is is much improved. Um, you know, Going back many years, I, as long as I've been coaching special teams, I've really put a, a big emphasis on coverage, punt coverage, kickoff coverage. That's where games can be lost. And, um, you know, the, the aggressiveness that Coach Itake is talking about is going more after blocks, going more after returns. And uh, so that that's a challenge that I've accepted. And, uh, you know, so I'm installing now the returns earlier in the in the week. I'm um, sacrificing some of our offensive and, and defensive personnel. You know, sometimes we try to protect guys from taking too many snaps on offense, defense, or special teams in general. Mm-hmm. Trying to get uh, better personnel out there, coach them harder, coach them earlier in the week. Uh, be more um, aggressive with the schemes that we run. And I really feel like over the last couple of weeks we've, we've had some um, really good setups. And having, you know, some parts of that are low kicks with a lower trajectory, less hang time, and having the opportunity to get big returns. And I think we're, I think we're just waiting for some of those opportunities in the game. But I've been really pleased with the effort of the guys blocking right now. Who would you say your starting returners are going into Fresno State right now? Uh, Mike, group? Mike Shelton has, has been the top returner on both punts and uh, kickoff returns, and he has uh, continued to work harder at it. And I think, you know, from the time when I first got here in the spring and gave him an initial evaluation until now, um, he's, he's proven my initial evaluation wrong or he's improved a lot. And I always leave that, that option open that maybe, maybe it's me that's improved <laughs> in, in my evaluation. But uh, I, I really feel confident about his ability. I want to get to safeties in a second. It's not a safety question per se, but uh, we go back and look at the Daingamoluku INT, and it was a big play taken away by a roughing the passer call. I-, I thought it was a harsh call because of the timing of it. I don't know that Bush would have had time to, to, to let up before hitting the quarterback, depending on, you know, from, based on when he made his attempt to tackle to when the ball was away. How did you view that play? Um, well, the, the thing that uh, that I saw when I went back and looked at it was we had a, one of our defensive players low on the quarterback's legs. And so um, the, the roughing the passer, although I think they called 38, uh, Butch on the play, uh, Butch's contact looked like it was more egregious than it actually was yeah. because of the fact that we had the quarterback's legs wrapped up. And um, that's been taken out of the game, too. Really, we're not supposed to hit the quarterback around the legs. So we want our guys to stay aggressive. Uh, there was no effort to target. There was no effort by Butch to put his head down and crown the quarterback. So from a coaching standpoint, it's one of those where we just have to say, you know, I think, I think that was a clean hit. It was in the gray area. Officials want to give extra protection to the passer, and we support that rule. But, uh, you know, I think most most often that call would not be made in that situation. Now, the receiver on that play uh, stopped. Uh, the quarterback was thinking go, and Dian makes a nice play. Mm-hmm. Dian is, you know, that may be not the toughest INT in the world to get, but he's really secure with his hands. And then what he does after the after the pick, even though it was called back, shows that he's a real playmaker. He is. He's definitely a playmaker. He shows a lot of ability to run the, run the football as well after he's, uh, his return yardage. Uh, last year was excellent, had a couple of really big returns. He's had some this year, a lot of return yardage. He does a great job making plays. Uh, he's physical in the game. He, he refuses to come off of special teams no matter how. You know, he got a stinger in the game, and, 
And I said, hey, I'm going to give you a break on special teams. He said, no, coach, I'm trying to rack up those tackles. So <laughs> love the way he plays. Love coaching him. It's a, it's an honor to coach him. Now, BYU's offense was on the field for this next play I'm going to talk about, so maybe you did or didn't go back to see it. BYU had an offensive P.I. called in a really unusual situation. You don't often see downfield picks called. That's what they called in this case. Do you see what they were seeing? Because I had a tough time coming up with that one. Yeah, that, that was that was a um, difficult uh, a difficult call to, to deal with. The thing that... Um, the thing that I learned in my time as a head coach with officials is that they are, uh, and I, as far as I know, the the, uh, the CFO is the, the group of officials that we subscribe to right now. CFO West, maybe, with, yeah, we're, yeah. We're partnered with, contracted with, and um, I, I don't think, I've talked to Kalani about it, I don't think he gets this information, but in in the big sky, at the end of every year, we got a report of the top, um, it was really all the officials ranked on their performance and whether and every call is judged uh, as, a, as a plus or a minus. And so we could see every year um, not only who the best officials in the league were, but who the worst were. And generally about the bottom 25% were cut or fired and uh, ended up uh, being relegated to the junior college ranks. And so, you know, and then I've spent some time with officials at their summer clinics. And the thing about those guys is they, they train really hard. They understand the game better than we do as coaches, and they do not want to blow a call. It doesn't matter if they're – I know they don't, but, but e- even if I knew that a, an official was uh, a graduate of our opponent, in no way would I think that they would ever risk getting a, a blown call. So, you know, I'm sure the official saw it and, and making that call live, every player on our – team every coach on our sideline can relate to making a mistake in the game nobody played and coached perfectly and and maybe that that wasn't a perfect call i I see what he saw and and certainly live from his angle maybe it looked more egregious than it does you know going back and taking a look okay before the break a safety play on saturday how would you kind of grade it out or maybe uh, pick out guys you thought that uh, played very well for you yeah i've got this question a lot our safeties have played really really well and really strong all year and the thing the thing that you normally judge that by is uh, breakout runs and breakout passes and we don't get long um, yards after catch against our team and we don't get long runs against our team and a big part of that is our safety and um, but a lot of times I get that question after a loss so I'm happy now after a win to say those guys are really, really good safeties, and their their opportunities to continue to play this game after college will will really prove out on that. They're two, uh, Micah and and Zane are our starters, and they are they are two of the very best overall football players on our team. They make plays on on special teams and defense. They play really hard and they play really well. Austin Lee recovered a fumble on the weekend. Austin Lee recovered a fumble. He also broke down, uh, broke on a pass late in the game and, and uh, kept it to a very negative gain. And based on where he came from, it was an excellent play, kept it to a four-yard gain. He also contributes on special teams. He'll, he'll play a bright role for us in the future. All right, Twitter questions next for Ed Lamb in our final segment. Hashtag CCBYU, the CC for Coordinators Corner. This is the Coordinators Corner. We're at JCW's in Provo. You can hear us on ESPN 960 and BYU Radio. Watch us on BYU Football Facebook Live. Back in a bit. You're tuned into the Coordinators Corner, live on the new skin BYU Sports Network. Let's head back to JCW's in Provo and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. All right, it's time to turn it over to Cougar Nation for our final segment here of the Coordinators Corner. Hashtag CCBYU, Twitter questions for Coach Ed Lamb. And this question was a two-parter, went for both Ty and you. And it was it comes from Nelson, and it asks, how much input do you and Ty, we asked Ty already, take from 
BYU's sports statistics people? How much do stats play into how you prepare or game plan or assess? Oh, yeah, stats um, stats are, are we, I'll have to go through a kind of a timeline of the week. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's the first thing we look for when we come off of, off of the field at the game. We have a... We have two different uh, set of stats. The first is called the Quickie Stats, and you've seen these up in the up in the press box, and that gives us kind of an overall rundown, overall picture. It's not very detailed, and then we get the stat book about uh, fifteen or twenty minutes later that's printed out, and that's that's usually fifteen or twenty pages long, and uh, that that tells us uh, that gives us a lot of a lot of things to start to look for before we actually watch the video. It tells us maybe where we were strong, where where we were weak, who some of the top producers were, whether we're looking at offense or defense or production on defense. Um, and uh, special teams, and then um, and then we also have we have a group of statisticians that are on our staff, our support staff, graduate assistants. Some people call them. We have uh, you know position assistants, support staff, and they're usually looking ahead about ten days at the next opponent, and they're running statistics that you know you, you wouldn't talk about in a fan sense. Um, things like formationally, like uh, you know I'm mostly in the defensive room, but formationally. How often do they run this particular coverage against, against this formation? Or how often do they run this particular blitz against this formation? And then, you know, vice versa, out of these offensive formations, what plays do they run? Statistics like that become very important to us as we work throughout the week. And then we also have a group of um, uh, statisticians on campus that in, in our stats groups, right. and they send us stats. Um, those stats can be tougher to look at. The cause and effect from um, somebody who's not involved in football can be really difficult to link. And so we're, I think that's something that ana- analytically, as, um, as, as this field grows, we need to grow our understanding of that field. And, and I would say, like, right now we're, we're serious about it. We're diligent about it. There are as many coaches at all levels right now making – big mistakes because of their interest in analytics mm-hmm. than there are uh, coaches that are taking advantage of it. And so we want to be want to be careful, want to be smart, and we want to put resources into it. Right now, we're I think we're we're in the right place for that. You can get a lot of data thrown at you. To me, it all comes down to win-loss correlation. If you can somehow uh, determine to the best of your ability that there is a strong correlation when a particular number is thrown at you, then you give it weight. Um, right. Are there any analytical touch points that you look, do look to that you go, this really matters in the course of a winner, uh, in the course of a game, win or loss? Let, let me let me tell you the number the number one thing that matters, and it's it's what analytics can't do, but it but I think it'll answer the question. Um, so so analytics can give you a picture of everything that's happened right. up to that point. Normally, analytics aren't taking into account um, momentum. They're not taking into account injuries. They're not taking into account generally what's happened in that particular game. So, you know, to, to talk about a fourth and one analytic overall for all NFL teams or all college football teams um, in a certain area of the field um, with a certain personnel on the field. I mean, you can, can continue to narrow this to down, micro and, narrow down, this to, down. Yeah. And, and it's really the more it gets microed, the better. But a coach should never doubt his gut instinct at that moment. And that's the thing that at this point computers and statistics can't match is the experience of a competent and confident head coach that really has their pulse on the finger of what his team can accomplish at that moment. Excellent. Uh, from Scott, what's a good way for a 2018 long snapper to get in touch with Coach Lamb? <laughs> yeah. uh, don't try Twitter or Facebook. <laughs> those are those are uh, accounts. I've never posted on either one of those accounts, um, and I don't look at them. But uh, um, email, uh, th- you can find my email address at, uh, at byu.edu and search through the athletic department. Okay, that's the way to do it. Uh, Randall asks, on kickoffs, are we typically going for the goal line 
to force a return. With our coverage units, it seems to be working quite well. Oh, thanks. Yeah, thanks for the compliment. We're looking for four seconds of hang time. The kickers want to put as much distance on that on it as possible with four seconds of hang time. So I leave that part out of their their last moment reminder. Uh, ideally, for me, I love to see a kick because I'm I'm a coverage guy at heart and love to see those guys select those guys from the team, figure out who's got that kind of courage and tenacity to run down the field. And then I, I love to see a kick land right at the goal line where the returner has no choice but to return it, but it's as deep as it can possibly be without giving him that, that choice with four seconds of hang time and uh, 11 guys on our team, including the kicker, running full speed to go get him. Is that happening more often than not for you? Uh, no, I, I, no, I think, I think that's, a, that's rare. That's, that's that golden moment, and we don't, get, we don't get a lot of those that land right on the goal line, but our kickers do an excellent job at putting it somewhere between uh, the two-yard line and five yards deep in the end zone, somewhere between the numbers and the hashes and giving our chance, our guys a chance to go and cover it. Okay, we have a 30-second snapshot opportunity here for Fresno State. Uh, mobile quarterback, seems like everybody gives you a staple of RPOs. Uh, shotgun single back primarily, some split back with motion. What do you like from Fresno State? What do they challenge you? How do they challenge you? I would say offense, defense, and special teams. I've looked at all of them now um, uh, with with a little long, you know, earlier game on Saturday. I had some more time on Saturday and Sunday and even today to, to uh, get a jump on them. They are the, the most solid, fundamental, well-coached football team top to bottom that, that we've played at this point. They just have you – know, I haven't studied their whole staff. I know their head coach is a 20-year veteran as a head coach. Jeff has Tedford. a lot of experience. But these guys will not give us the game. There could be some some uh, errors technically in the ball handling positions or something like that. I mean, I, you know, there's no way for a coach to really – dictate that but in terms of giving the game away with foolish decisions or game management offense defense special teams very solid good luck saturday in fresno thanks Greg. this has been the coordinator's corner at jcw's on byu radio espn 960 and byu football facebook live so long